For those of you listening in for the first time or are new to the She Sells 2 network, we are Jenny and Ellen and we started She Sells 2 to empower women in sales. In this cross-Atlantic podcast with Ellen in Dublin and Jenny in Toronto, we're looking to empower women out there in sales to be their absolute best. In this podcast, we'll be sharing stories, tips and tricks, best practices, and the learnings we're getting along the way. Hi everyone, Ellen here. In this episode, I speak with Lauren Bailey, founder of Factor 8 and Girls Club. We talk about why women are hardwired, literally, to be perfectionists, how she attempts to close this confidence gap and transition more women into sales leadership with Girls Club, and how authenticity is at the core of what they do. Listen in, find out how you can apply for Girls Club's sales leadership program for women, and enjoy! Hi, everyone, and welcome to the She Sells 2 podcast. Um, Today, I'm sitting here with Lauren Bailey, founder founder and president of Factor 8, founder of Girls Club. Uh, Welcome so much, Lauren. It's great to have you here. It's really nice to speak with you again. Thanks for having me. Of course, we're honored to. And just to give our listeners a bit of an introduction to you, um, you have more than 20 years experience within sales leadership and sales training. And also you've been, you know, voted top 25 most influential leaders in in inside sales, top 25 sales coaches, top uh, 35 most influential women in sales. Um, So you have a really, really cool resume. It's so good to see that you've done a whole lot with your 20 years in sales. (laughs) Uh, let's be honest it's longer than that now and and you know what it's really fun and funny to hear you say that in the introduction because I will tell you that when I was in my 20s and the first time I saw a list like that right the top 25 most influential I was probably in my young 30s and I was like whoa someday could I please and and now it's so funny to be on the other side of that. And, and it's, it, I, I don't want to say it's any less of an honor. It just, it means a little bit different once you get into the, the, the thick of it, I guess, right? The other day I was named to a list and I didn't even know I was. Somebody sent it to me. I don't want to take away from the honor, but I do want to be really honest about the fact that it's complete bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of have to say, I guess what you mean, because everything feels very far away and unavailable when you're not in the midst of it. I remember when I was in university and I really, really wanted to work in sales and I felt like, wow, can I even do it? Will I ever get a job? You know, all Mm -hmm. roles I looked at looked so far away. And Mm -hmm. now I'm working in Google with a lot of our biggest clients. And it's just what I do every day. So you forget that that was such a big goal back in the days. Yes, Ellen, how many people look at you and like they're just mystified and the air is rarer and right? Because it was the same. I worked for SAP for a lot of years and I got treated better when I had a big title in, you know, a top 20 global company. Then I became a vendor and I became, you know, a pariah. (laughs) But it's crazy when it's like that. I mean, before I worked in Agile, a competitor of Google, but not as a big one. And everyone would be like, what is that? And I was more like, ah, Google. But it's you know still similar jobs. It's just different companies. So it could have been it could have been ten times better. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. So on exactly. that note, let me tell you, there are approximately thirty five thousand women who are better at sales than I am. I think it has more to do with profile and mm. followers. And what it does say to me is, I'm officially a quote unquote thought leader, which was the mm. other thing, right? I used to look at my role models and be like, no one will ever call me that. 
right? So I get that and I, um, I own it and I appreciate it and I've earned it and I'm proud of it. If we could just like rewind the tape yeah. a bit, what um, made you go into sales? Like what was it that attracted you to sales in the beginning? Nothing. So I had, um, I had a love hate relationship with sales, right? Ellen told me everybody that like the key to this is just being uber honest. So I'm super sorry if you decide that you don't like me anymore, but this is me. My dad was in sales growing up and I didn't like the way he was always manipulating me. I didn't like sales. I thought the sales is where you lie to people, right? Which tells you a lot about my hours in a counselor and therapist chair. But the truth was I was really good at it. So my jobs during high school were sales, right? I would go get the retail job that I would have after school and I'd be the number one salesperson in the Midwest division. And I took great pride in that. So I learned to love it myself with part-time jobs and, you know, even in college doing some things and helping entrepreneurs and selling XYZ. And it was fun and I was good at it. So that's where I learned to not hate sales. Does that make sense? Yeah, it but, does. It does. Yeah. I didn't think I wanted a big girl job in sales. My, my first job, I was doing some project management um, and getting grad credit and living overseas. And then I, I managed a retail shop, you know, one of those little like kiosks that come in for Christmas, it sold snow gear. It was called snow stuff. Like I sold ski gear to people and managed a team of like, you know, 10 people who worked after work. And I never put it on my resume because it's embarrassing. General manager, snow stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's still very charming to have on your LinkedIn, I have to say. Like now I'm getting to the point where I can admit to that because people aren't going to judge me for it. it was long enough ago. But when I started looking for, I came back to the US and I started looking for my official first big girl job. It was tough. And it's so freaking frustrating to know that you're great and not have people hire you. And let me tell you, 10 years later, you're all gonna look back on your careers and be like, why was that so hard? Cause I'm surrounded by idiots. Not everybody in the workplace is great. Can I just be really honest about that? You know this. You why can, yeah. You to get hired at these companies who hired those people. We're all gonna have those moments. And if you don't, you're a super much nicer person than I am. So anyway, I wound up in sales because it was the only job I could get. But get this, my job was selling corporate training. And that has wound up being my industry. So I think it just needed to wait for the right, perfect, next best thing to come. And imagine then that probably it was a job that you didn't want that much in the beginning, but it has shaped the rest of your career. So oh, that lucky yes. shot got you yeah. to where you are now. And I really believe yeah. that. And it's kind of like life, oh, yeah. you can't really control it. You're meant to like fall into the path you're going to go into, but that's yeah. amazing. And I think that it just, it nudges you in different ways. And if we're, if we're open to it and we quit fighting it, it's a faster, easier path, right? So I fought it my whole way. Um, my mm. first career, if you will, um, right up until the girls club. And we'll get to that story. I know, Ellen, but with girls club, I did the opposite. I kind of mm. just turned my body and went downstream instead of the salmon jumping upstream mm. the whole time. And the experience was amazing and very different and almost mm. spiritual. But you've had a very interesting path there because you started as a sales rep at Kirkwood, as you said, selling corporate training. Then you went into sales leadership, then training leadership, went back and forth there a bit. And then you took both of these pieces and then you actually did, like, as you say, a 
180 turn into entrepreneurship and combine these two topics, starting yeah. both Factor 8 and Girls Club. So it's amazing how you gather all that knowledge and made your own thing out of it. Yeah, the key to the key to not just entrepreneurship, but um, being a spectacular success is figuring out your secret sauce. And that's critical, isn't it? Because even if you're competing for a job, even if you're competing for a promotion, even you're, if you're just building your own self-confidence on a daily basis, everything that goes into the process of figuring out your secret sauce is a positive experience for you. Mm -hmm. And it, it took a while, but it turned out my secret sauce was being a translator, right? Mm -hmm. You can take, I can take any sales result and I can translate that backwards into how do we adjust the behavior to get there. But that's super interesting. And then combining sales leadership and how to train people into leadership. Like, obviously, you must have seen such a big gap there to create your own company out of it. So Experience the gap. That's that's the real truth of it is mm. like I, I wound up 20 years later and you just pretend with me it's 20 many, many <laughs> years later that um, creating solutions for the things that were very difficult for me coming up. Right? So when I took my first sales management job at Insight, which was a tech reseller competes with CDW in the US space. Mm -hmm. um, folks, this is back when we sold desktops, right? The 386, the 586. You don't know what those numbers mean. Uh, you know, <laughs> right? Believe me, it looks um, hilarious and something you find at your grandparents' house. So uh, uh, when I, I was, I was, it was painful, right? It mm -hmm. was really painful, both for myself, because I was a young manager with no idea what to do mm -hmm. and they had great training available but it was like most companies it was leadership training you know it was like how not to be a shitty boss and how not to sexually harass the people on your team and how to use the payroll system it wasn't mm -hmm. what am i what is this job of being a sales manager we're left to learn that on the job and and it was i cried every night for months so i remember that pain and then i had mm -hmm. the same as a, a sales leader with my reps who were just super, you know, like dipped and bathed in product and, and system training, but nobody taught them how to sell it mm -hmm. over the phone. And I saw the pain that they were in. And I felt the pain of trying to get 12 people trained properly. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's it, anybody who's been in frontline sales management understands that it's the busiest damn job in the world. And you, no one teaches you how to do it. Nobody teaches your reps how to do it either. And you're just left holding the bag and wanting to do right by these people. So mm -hmm. anyway, imagine that that emotion was so raw 20 years later that now I have companies that solve for that. Isn't that funny? This is why that's, I love in your life. But that's amazing. And I'm curious there because like myself, I've been a sales rep. I've been getting sales training. Um, I've been seeing um, in my time in Agile, I saw a lot of people going from sales rep into sales management that I really understand the struggle because, you know, it's very different skills needed to be a sales mm -hmm. manager and a sales mm -hmm. rep. Um, but if mm -hmm. we kind of split out the two, what would you say, what training is, you know, absolutely necessary for a sales manager and what kind of sales training is absolutely necessary for a sales rep, if that makes wow. sense? Good, good, good. There's lots of different versions of sales rep now, right? So I'll start at the tip of the spear, your BDR and SDR. Um, if we're really honest with ourselves, their entire world is like outgoing voicemail for a while, right? Like 80% of what happens is going to end in a voicemail. So let's get better at that first, mm -hmm. because if you can increase to just getting two or three callbacks a day, it's like adding another sales day to the week. So everything we do at that front end of the sphere is about getting more sales time. 
It's I call it getting on first base, right? You can't like Moneyball. You can't get home if you can't get on first base. So it's um, better voicemails that get returned, better emails that get returned. Your introductions when you're first calling with somebody, how to keep them on the phone, how to overcome the brush off to keep them on the phone, how to deliver a value prop that doesn't make them hang up the phone and that how to move into questioning. And then how do you transition to the close? What are those buying signals where you stop selling and go for the close? And how do you really engage somebody in a conversation instead of showing up? And as soon as somebody says, hello, can I book 15 minutes of your time? Right? So those are some of the key things that I think that are differentiate good BDR, SDR. Mm. When you get to the other side of the spectrum and you're talking about closing or managing deals, et cetera, I think so much of that it, that's missing is business acumen and customer acumen, right? Uh, the 3% of customers trust salespeople. That's the most recent statistic from HubSpot. It's plummeting every year. Um, the only people lower than us, and we can take some solace in this, are politicians. And I'm sure they're talking about American politicians. Let's not, Probably. right? Let's not offend Sweden and Germany and all the other Ireland lovely places where you've worked and lived. Wonderful countries. So it, it like we're just messed up there. So I think we need to raise our acumen so that we can have business conversations with people. And mm. that's going back to the basics. For 10 years, I refused to teach questioning and listening skills because every crap sales training has it. And I just thought it was useless and generic. And it's gotten so bad that I've built classes in it now, right? Mm -hmm. it, 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 we're just bad at it. We're putting so much more on younger sales reps than we used to, right? Like mm -hmm. I had one tool, you have 12. And our customer expectations have skyrocketed, but we're not training our reps any differently. So those are the most important things for the higher level roles, but there's a bunch of other skills mm -hmm. that are going in there, right? The number one mistake reps are making is not asking enough questions. Yeah. And so can I ask you then, because you said that you didn't want to like use the questioning kind of as a part of too much of your um, sales training, because there's already a lot of questioning out there. Yeah. Um, so what do you think, because questioning is still, obviously still so important, but how can you, what do you say is the way to really build trust with the customer? Like what would be, if we don't take questioning into account, what other things should both sales managers and sales um, reps uh, do to build that trust with the clients? Ooh, that's interesting. So how are we building trust with a prospect or how are we building trust with current clients? I would say building trust with a prospect because I believe yeah. that could be even more challenging. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, this is great. I've never been asked this before and I, I'm, I'm having fun watching what's floating to the top of my head. <laughs> I think one of the very first things is being respectful and what people hate is being sold at. Mm -hmm. right? Stop selling at me. Like they have to put up this wall in their hands and cringe behind it. Mm -hmm. So being respectful to me means being an excellent listener. It means not talking over and um, actually what's, it's fun with more video, actually looking at somebody. Mm -hmm. um, I think we also show genuine interest and care with follow-up questions, not the first question, the second or third follow-up question. Mm -hmm. I got so upset when people were starting to, you know, try to put empathy into their sales questioning when the world hit this pandemic crisis. And, and what reps that I didn't like would say would be like, I trust everything's okay. Well, what that's saying is I'd like to get this whole COVID thing done with one question. Mm. Right. Whereas the reps I thought did very well asked at least three questions there. Right. Mm. How are you? How's your business? How's your family? By the time I get to the third one, I really care 
out. So I think that's mm. one of the first things that we can do is show genuine care and interest. The second thing is research is a, is a two-sided coin, right? You do enough research where you don't sound like an idiot, mm. but in, in, in presenting that research, so many people assume they know your business. And again, you're just rushing me to get to your pitch, mm. right? Well, Lauren, because I see that you're one of the top 20 coaches in the world, you obviously need your very own coaching platform. Nope, my business has actually nothing to do with coaching. Not sure how I got on that list. Don't assume that you know I need a platform. Mm. It's It would be much more genuine if somebody had said, I saw you were named to that list. Tell me about that. Mm. Right? I think that's brilliant. Really showing care then and doing your research, but not assuming and definitely the not assuming part because you know and especially i don't know if this is a nordic thing but we really hate when people assume things about us like you read mm -hmm. that somewhere no one told you that how do you why do you think that you know me um so i think that's a really good part and something that is probably easy to forget when you do you know your quick research you get on the phone 10 times a day it's probably very easy to forget that you shouldn't assume because you just you know go on and on sometimes use it for a question not for a pivot Mm -hmm. And by the way, you just taught me something phenomenal. My ex-husband was Nordic. Oh, and really? It's all coming together for me now with the don't assume you know me. <laughs> <laughs> we really wow, do that. We that was a big moment. And we hate being di diagnosed. It's like, oh, you're probably feeling like this now. It's like, don't tell me how I feel. I know how I feel. So Exactly. But I don't think anybody really likes it. The, the Nordics are just open enough and honest enough and let's be honest, blunt enough <laughs> to say it out loud, right? We really, really are, yeah. And something else that I wanted to ask you here, how to build trust, because you already mentioned care, doing your research. Um, one thing that I know I've been speaking with, with about my manager is the kind of challenger sales approach. And it would be, you know, like there to challenge your client. You're not there to be nice, you're there to help them solve problems. But I know when I listened to you and John Barrows in uh, the call that it's like, you can't be a challenger sale when you are way too young and you don't have too much experience. Um, I think true. you said something in those lines. So how would you think, like how can you tread lightly with challenging your client but still not come across as too obnoxious and thinking that you know it all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I give this advice for anybody who's been in their industry under 10 years, okay? Mm. If you are calling people who have titles above yours, they will not take well to being challenged by you. Mm. If you don't, you just go and try it, right? <laughs> you're 25 and you're calling a bunch of VPs and you're telling them they're wrong and they're not gonna love that. Mm. They're really not. But let's take the spirit of it, right? Um, it, it, by the way, it's another way to build trust and that's authenticity. Mm. That's all there is to it. And if one of the best ways I build trust with prospects is having very personalized email follow-ups and almost almost oversharing in our first few minutes together. If we're going to talk about COVID, for instance, and how things went, I'll be very honest about two or three things that's going on with me that makes it difficult. It makes me human and it makes me a person. And we try mm. to have a joke or a laugh right away. And then I personalize my email with that. I write it like I'm writing it to a friend, not a stuffy business colleague. Okay. That's mm -hmm. my style, my brand. Everybody has their own and you build trust that way. I'm getting to the point, I swear. So the same can happen with challenger, that authenticity, not being afraid to say what's what. Okay. If you're brand new, then challenge your damn self in front of them. Right. Mm -hmm. How many people are honestly 
authentic enough to say, the truth is I've been in this industry about two minutes compared to you. I don't really understand the full ramifications of X, Y, and Z, but I would mm -hmm. love it if you would tell me about that and how it's impacted your business. Mm. People will bend over backwards to help a salesperson that's that authentic, right? Mm. So don't pretend you know more than somebody who's been there for a while. Be honest, challenge yourself. Everybody loves to help somebody as long as you're brief. Mm. If you launch into the 22 minutes of what you do know and what you don't know and why you don't know it, all I want to do is hang up on you. Okay. So be adorable, be vulnerable, be authentic, but be brief. <laughs> but that makes so much sense because everyone has a limited set of time. Like, you know, we only have 24 hours of the day and we have so much to get done so that people are brief and very quick to the point. Um, I know sometimes um, Nordic, again, can be too direct. I remember when I worked in my old company and I was just like, hey, I want help with this and this. And I was told like, no, 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 aren't you going to ask me how I am first? So it's kind of like good to have a combination between like you be polite, but be brief as well so people can go on with their days. What's somewhere between New York and Nordics? Um, <laughs> very good, very, very good question. And we have to figure out if we can have like a good phrase for that, like between New York and Nordics. I like that. <laughs> but it's so interesting. And I think, yeah, authenticity is truly key. And especially now during COVID, I think everyone needs to feel more connected with people that they speak to, no matter if that's a colleague, a sales rep or a client, because, you know, we don't see as many people as we used to do. So you have to get connection over the screen and then authenticity and often vulnerability, I think is key to that indeed. What need happened to me this year is I wound up having to very last minute cancel a meeting with a very important person. And by the way, I wanted money from him, not the other way around. So I was the reacher, not the settler. If you don't know what that is, YouTube, how I met your mother, because it cracks me up. Um, <laughs> the reacher and the settler. Anyway, I wound up very last minute canceling. And um, it, it turns out it was because I had COVID. And wow. like, I was just feeling awful. And I went downhill very fast. And I just very authentically emailed and was just like, so sorry, so bad. Like it was all I could do to get anything out. Right. But it, his initial response was WTF. And I just, I didn't, I, I just was as human as I could be. Right. He and his company sent me flowers. Wow. That's... We didn't know I had COVID then. Right. Like that, by the way, is more a testament to him being an amazing human being. That's Udi Lettergaard Gong. And then it is me, but I don't think it would have happened if we hadn't built that human, actual, mm. authentic connection, right? Because mm. he genuinely that. cared for you and really, you know, was hoping for the best with you. And great to see that you recovered. I'm so happy to hear. Um, yeah, but wow, that's yeah. Like, that's a pretty neat thing that you would, that's, it's, I don't know. I'll be quiet about it. It touched me on many levels. And that's what happens when you build human connections with people and, and you care about them more than anything else. Another person I was in the middle of selling to a CMO at another large company um, wound up calling me and saying, actually lost my job today. Here's how I'm going to help you still get X, Y, and Z done. And like knew that we were going to be friends outside of our corporate relationship, no matter what. And then still was trying to help him get something done in the, in the middle of losing his job. Yeah. And the kindness of people like that, when they don't have anything to gain from their own end, they're just like kind because they want to be and because they think that you yes. deserve it. I think that shows how good people are. And if you can just connect with people and, you know, show care for them, you will get it back eventually too.
And Ellen, that's the key. What you just said is giving to people without expecting in return is the best way to build authentic trust and relationships. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how important that is. I'm assuming a lot of your listeners are in their 20s and on their way up. It is your network that will feed you for the next 40 years. Be very mm-hmm. clear about that. So find as many people as possible. Find ways to add value to them and their lives because the guy who brought you coffee will be your boss someday. And the competitor across the road and that witch who stole your seat on the bus will work for you. And it's just, it happens. And everybody moves every few years. Mm-hmm. You don't know where it's all going to wind up. Connect to the people, not the company, not the product, right? Not the service, not the industry, the people. That Yeah, that's such good advice. And I would only echo it. Like from what I've seen now throughout my brief um, career, since I moved to Dublin, I realized how small the world is and how important your network is. It's so much easier for y'all, right, than it was for us. Be very clear. I had a paper Rolodex. <laughs> I don't I even know it. what that is. Thank you. Exactly. That's enough said. And, <laughs> and now you can track people between companies and there's a place to go, mm. right? There literally wasn't before trying to track and find people. But I'll also mm. tell you that my first year as an entrepreneur, it was the people, and, and it's still my number one source of business, is people I have worked with in the past. Mm. and they have come back and that is and then referrals from those people exactly and that's how you build on things nowadays i really really want to speak with you about girls club so Mm. you founded girls club two years ago and what Mm. i quote now is from your linkedin but girls club is changing the face of sales leadership by helping more women gain the skills confidence and encouragement to apply we do this for training mentoring and a vibrant community of role models inspiration and plain old authenticity so i'm curious that's from my website yeah, it is. even from your LinkedIn, I thought that was so good because I wanted like a punch sentence on what Girls Club is. Oh, yeah. I have to give props to Amy Wanderlich, who's my marketing director. There's no way those words came so beautifully out of my mouth. You should send her some flowers after this. <laughs> um, I sent her flowers last week because she just moved, but you're right, they're Ooh. probably dead. Yeah, you should you should send more. But it's so yeah. amazing. Like now when I've been doing G-Cells 2 for soon to be two years, I just love to see that there are more and more organizations like yes. this that really focus on building women up in sales because it's so important. But can you just tell us about Girls Club, what motivated <laughs> to start it, what you're doing, you know, tell me it's everything. Been, oh my God, I could literally talk about this for years, <laughs> but I'm trying to get just the really cool salient points, right? So let me get the what out first. We help women in sales get into management. That is mm. called the broken rung, right? And I think if we can get more women taking that first step, then it's going to be easier for them to take the next step. And then we help the next woman up and we're taking over the world like an alien invasion. That's the master plan here, folks. Um, what I have learned is that we're hesitant to take the first step. We're not raising our hand. I mm. think that there's, I don't think there's proof that women operate better at the management leader and CEO letter level than men do. Not to bash the men, but to prove to the women, ladies, we got it going on. We do, however, have um, a brain disorder. It's called the medial frontal cortex. Mm-hmm. It is larger in a woman than in a man. And its job is to find flaws. We're literally hardwired to be perfectionists. That's horrible. That's I, I, I couldn't believe it when I found the research. I was like, this is it. This is why. And did you know a woman, not a man, a woman's brain releases dopamine when during grooming and getting ready. Mm. That's like, interesting. Or, I'm not clue. 
We are literally fighting nature and nurture, right? But we are hardwired to be perfectionists, which is why we don't go for something until we're confident we can do 100% of it. Mm-hmm. And it was when I learned that stat, whereas the men are at 60% called the confidence gap that inspired me to start girls club, because I knew I could train them to do the job better. That's what factor eight has been doing for years, right? I can teach anybody to be a sales manager, mm-hmm. um, better than turkeys doing it right now. Cause they hire us to train those turkeys doing it right now. Right. But it was the confidence piece that I really wanted to tackle. And, and Ellen, it was important to me because I, I have suffered with low self-esteem my entire life. And I worked with um, some inspiring people who helped me realize it and try to get after it and attack that like you would any other health issue. But Mm -hmm. my biggest secret, my dirty little secret my whole life is that, right, I've been a fraud. I'm, 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 the imposter syndrome is real. And I never felt confident in my own skin. I got really great at making it. And my secret desire my whole life was to go work with young women on that. Like mm-hmm. once I figured out this corporate America thing and maybe I sold factor eight or retired, then I would really tackle this thing about self-confidence and travel the world working with young women on self-confidence. That was my secret dream. And it came to me one day that this was the bridge between those worlds, mm-hmm. right? Combining sales management skills from factor eight and my overall desire to really learn and tackle and help other people with this. But what it meant was I was going to have to do it now not 20 years from now when I had time to figure it out. And I don't know all the answers about confidence because I still struggle every day. And it became clear to me that my job was to learn out loud and to have the courage to say that out loud to women and and work together on it. That's the beauty of what we do mm. in the Confidence and Girls Club. We have honest and authentic and vulnerable conversations about it. And I think that for young women, when they see women who are have quote unquote, made it. And those women are authentic and saying, I struggle with this and I'm afraid of that. And I mess these things up. That's how we quash perfectionism mm. and encourage risk taking. But I, I think that's so beautiful. And it really moves me to hear that you've been going from not having ever, and the confidence that you've been such a perfectionist and really, you know, doubted yourself to building all of this. And as you said, you're probably not fully learned yet, but you're still working on it and learning out loud. And I think it's so good for me to hear. I've been a perfectionist my entire life. I've been doubting myself since I started, you know, third grade in school whatsoever. Um, So it's so good to hear that I'm not the only one, but it's also so good to hear that, you know, there are solutions and that, you know, organizations like Girls Club are really solving this for women. Um, I think it's absolutely amazing and so moving to hear. You, I mean, we have to embrace it because it's true. And by the way, I chronicle it every single month since starting Girls Club. So I'm, it's like two and a half years now. Every mm-hmm. month I do, we do these videos called Rise Up on Records. And we invite mm-hmm. our mental and thought leaders to do it as well. And it's for the three Fs, the fears, the failures, and the F-ups. And it's like, Half of them are me in my bathroom at four o'clock in the morning, which is when Girls Club, you know, where it really came to life. And 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 if we're honest about those things and we say them out loud, to me, it's like when you get out of bed and shine the flashlight underneath the bed to look for the monster. When you let the light on the situation, it gets a lot less scary. Mm-hmm. And that's step one. But that's amazing. And when he's mentioned the free Fs, how does that work in Girls Club? Are people sharing this um, together yeah. with the group or how is it working in Girls Club? Yeah. Give me an idea of what I would get myself into. Yeah, right. No, it's not like everybody has to turn in their three Fs every week. Um, <laughs> we invite anybody who is brave enough 
to, to create a rise up on record where they share the three mm. F and then we make all those available to people and the women love it. They just binge them. You go from one to the next, to the next, to the next. You're like her. What? I've been watching her on LinkedIn for years. What? She feels that way? That's what she looks like without makeup? That's so cool. Right? And then all of a sudden, it's okay for you to be human too. Mm -hmm. um, we'll bring it in any other way that we can as well. We talk a lot about, well, authenticity and vulnerability are two of our most important values. But mm -hmm. the key is um, just... The, the key is we, we try to bring it as often as we can, wherever we can. So it, it, technically speaking, every month, there are two to three live sessions that happen. One of them is about a management skill, right? Um, it, one of the ways we try to bring authenticity into that is we did bonus video recording for people who wanted more spotlight. It's one of the, our legs of the curriculum. Um, and it was called Dumb Shit New Managers Do. And it was an opportunity to talk about exactly what is right. And so, but again, mm. it's a way to show authenticity. I've been new in management and here was a mistake that I made. And we made that part of the management training curriculum. Mm. The confidence building, we do lots of interesting sessions. We'll um, work in groups about things that are our fears. We'll have amazing speakers come in and talk about, um, oh my Lord, everything from, uh, you know, energy and positivity to being the change you want to see in the world. I mean, there's inspirational speakers, there's motivational speakers, there's emotional intelligence, there's hard mm. skills, but anything we think is going to get to that root of, wow, I'm in, I'm inspired and I'm okay. If that makes mm. sense. But I and think, then, I think that sounds super inspiring. And what I would say probably like girls club is probably needed more now more than ever. Cause obviously mm. we're not working. Most of us are not walking around in our offices. So we don't see that much of what other people do. We don't get a sense of what someone else is doing experiences. We don't see our sure. female leaders as often. So we probably need to okay. see all of this to remember what other people are doing out there. And maybe that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, when you think about being back in the office, there are sometimes I think about being in an office and it's just nothing but red tape politics and bullshit. Right. Um, I tell a story all the time of coming up as the only woman in sales mm -hmm. leadership, which is why I bring role models and mentors into girls club. But the truth is there was another woman and she was awful to me. Wow. That's and, horrible. And, and that happens though, doesn't it? Right. Like there's, it's not all sunshine and freaking rainbows in the office. It just feels like it was because we miss it. And Indeed. It like social media, right. Who puts out the real truth mm -hmm. out there? Everybody looks perfect all the time. And I want women to know that you, I mean, think about, think about business women you see on TV. Mm -hmm. Are any of them above a size two? Uh, you know, how many are of color? And how many are of protected classes? Do any of them not have perfect hair and makeup? So you're either a beauty queen or a bitch. That's how we're portrayed. And that's mm. a pity. It, it's so sad indeed. And I think this vulnerability um, and authenticity really brings it out that, you know, like a manager could be in all sizes and shapes and races and genders, like everyone can be a good leader. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, you really have to see that too, because as you say, like what we see in TV or social media, it's just not a truth. And then it's obviously it's so, and then someone has to start it. So it's tough probably to be that one person who starts it. If your entire company just like shines out that everything has to be perfect, 
who is going to be the one who starts uh, to actually communicate that this is okay. So I think what yeah. you're doing is probably like, you know, you're spreading it out and then eventually we'll reach more and more companies. And I think that's what's yeah. going to say change the sales culture. Well, we will, and it's starting to happen already. This was neat. A uh, mm-hmm. lady told me a story last week that she was, you know, supposed to connect with so-and-so and so-and-so at another company and she was new in her job and she was a little nervous. She looked at her LinkedIn profile and saw that she was a member of Girls Club and a graduate. Oh. And she was like, oh, I'm safe. This is great. I know that she's going to be somebody with my values. And, you know, they went on to light the place on fire. It was fantastic. But that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I, it's important that we talk and that we're real because as women, we're always going to find a reason not to, right? I can't do that because our brains mm. are hardwired for it to find the flaw that prevents the action. Mm. And what I would like to ask for your listeners to do is, is ignore it for a minute or two, right? Mm. Just maybe it's just one day a week where you decide I'm going to skip over that this time, or I'm not going to do it perfectly this time. Or I'm going to go for it, even though I'm not 100%. Just knowing that everybody else is doing it at 50 or 60%, it's okay. You don't have to know it all to get there. Mm-hmm. And, and then my other ask is, and encourage somebody else to do it too. So my magic button of encouragement is when you're meeting somebody who you think, you know what, you'd be fantastic in leadership. Mm-hmm. Like you are. You have the authentic care of people and the desire to help and educate. That is exactly why to get into leadership. Mm. You've been in sales for a while. You'd be an amazing sales leader. Go for it. And I think those are the things that, you know, one really needs to hear. You need to have those words of encouragement and someone who believes in you. So who identifies that skill that you might not even see in yourself because you just see flaws and someone lifting that up and like, no, I believe you can do it. So Exactly. And that's what we're for, right? If you, if you're ready to be ready to be ready, then come find girls club because we're going to get you from Mm. 10% to 90% because you never get to a hundred and we're going to do it quickly. Of course. And tell me then, because we only have a few minutes left of the podcast. Tell me, how does it work? Can anyone apply to Girls Club? Yeah. Can you be from any nation? What does an application require? Except the Nordics, unfortunately. We do have a ban on <laughs> <laughs> We don't want any straightforward Swedes. <laughs> God, I love the Nordics. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. We've had um, 18 different countries participate. Time zones can be tough sometimes. We do have mentors available in all kinds of different time zones. Everything we do live is recorded I've had some, right, God bless Priya, who always attends live anyway from India. Um, yes, apply. We're looking for people who are thinking of management in the next few years, all the way to people who have been in management for a few years. 50% of every cohort are both, which was mm. a surprise to me, right? The existing managers were like I was 20 years ago going, I'm not getting the training and the support and the community. I need help. Our program is virtual. Mm. It is six months long. Um, It is extremely inexpensive. It's the same price as like a public seminar of two days of training. But this Mm. is, you know, 20 days plus over six months. Um, And is there a certain number of applicants? So people should, you know, do they have to write a motivation? And can you give us some advice? Sorry, we cut it. Yeah, 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 we do. I'm sorry to interrupt. We cut it this year. We're cutting it at 100. We will not take more than that. There's Mm. an application to get in. The truth is, Nobody's turned away because of their application. We just make people jump through the hoops to make sure they're serious because too many of us will find that fatal flaw at the last minute. Mm -hmm. We also do that to 
encourage women to find an internal advocate because some advocate who's like a boss or your boss's boss or that manager in marketing you really like, you're going to work with somebody in your company through this mm -hmm. program. And we do that because that is something you need no matter what. You always need an internal advocate because they speak for you when you're mm -hmm. not in the room. So those are the two big requirements. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's life-changing, Ellen. 70% uh, of our reps are promoted to manager before we finish the program. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's within six months. That's how rapid it is. And um, every year we say how many, like what, how many, would you recommend this to a friend? And we've gotten a hundred percent would recommend it to a friend for two years straight. So we're extremely proud of that. It's a, it's, it's life-changing for everybody who's involved. If you're listening to this and you're already in management, please come and mentor for us. It's the same place. You also fill out an application and that helps us match you. That's incredible. And I myself haven't even been through this program, but just speaking with you, Lauren, you I'm like recommending this to all of our listeners. Be mentors or apply to. for it. I'm yes, you're going to be a leader. You're going to be a sales leader. Come learn about it. Come build your network. And by the way, if your company won't put you through, which you need to ask first, our sponsors create scholarships wow. for people. So you can find all the scholarships on our webpage as well and apply for those. That's amazing. And I'm going to ask you, Lauren, to share all the links with us after this so I can share it yeah. with all of our listeners. Um, but I think we're going to round it off there. Like people have a look at wearegirlsclub.com. Um, this training that Lauren and her team provides seems completely incredible. And just speaking with you now, I'm so inspired. I feel like I can go on with rest of my day. Just feeling You're motivated. Coming. Oh my God, I am indeed. <laughs> I want you in there. It's going to be amazing. Thank you so much, Lauren, for taking the time today. This has been incredible. I really enjoyed it. I really have. Thank you. It's great that you've created this. And um, I just, uh, I, I ask every one of the listeners to eat, reach out and encourage two people. And let's make sure one of them is yourself. Let's do that. Thank you so much. Have a good one. <laughs>